Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Welcome to Hacks for Life. I'm Galen Jones, your host, and I'm here with Scott Brahe and to our listeners uh, that have been following uh, this conversation. Uh, know that he's one of uh, very knowledgeable and uh, just a great person to, to sit down and chat with about some really difficult topics. And this particular one is one of the ones that's kind of more intriguing. It's kind of more, I'm having to use more of my neuroplasticity <laughs> uh, uh, to, to be able to get my head around some of the concepts. And because, you know, like in our last conversations, uh, something that sounds so simple, evolution. We with the the words to me, and in, in, as we started this, sounds so simple, but they're really so complex. And being able to, I think one of the things you pointed out uh, in our last conversation um, is that as we're talking to people, to to agree on a definition is is crucial. Yeah, it is. And and a lot of times, I know that what I've done is I will start out and I'll use a word or I'll hear a word. And I'll give it a definition, but it's really not what the other person is talking about. Right. Um, in in psychobabble, we call that shared meaning in yep. communication. That, yep. You know, we we use a word and we we both agree on what it means. Yep. Uh, and it's interesting that in a lot of fields, uh, the the and we talked about this in a previous conversation about if if I can't get my point across with. The actually the the agreed upon meaning I'll change the meaning so that I can get where I want. That's right. That, that makes sense. Which is it's called erecting a straw man. I'm going to tell you that you believe something you don't believe, so that it's easy for me to attack it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, hey, I can defeat the straw man. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, um, we left off with. Uh, kind of a, a conversation around the, the Darwin Just definitions, uh, definitions and, and yeah. stuff. So um, kick us off. Yeah, we were going to talk about um, can Christians believe in evolution, and I think that this is going to be a simple podcast. Yes. Okay. So we'll just no. Let me go in a little more. So depth we end than here. That. Yeah, that was I'll a short conversation. Just a little bit more depth than that. Um, I think. Um, let me read a quote by, by Philip Johnson. It's his uh, book, Darwin on Trial, that he wrote, and it's pages three and four. What you'll find is I quote the beginnings of books a lot, and the reason is not because I only read three or four pages. That's what I was going to ask just, you about yeah, that. And I, did I read did, that, you, and I'm did like, you read past the introduction? I'm looking at this going, well, this one's uh, page 193. Okay, that looks legitimate. I do that because that's where all these introductory concepts come in, and they sort of summarize the books. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll give people a, sort of an, a flavor for it. And go, you know, I'd be interested in reading that book. Um, so, you know, when these, these summary concepts are really where we're spending our time in this podcast. It's not that I'm just reading three or four pages of a book. Um, so here's what uh, Johnson has to say, in the, on, starting on page three. He said, the concept of creation in itself does not imply opposition to evolution if evolution only means a gradual process by which one kind of creature changes into something completely different or something different. Uh, a creator might well have employed such a gradual process as a means of creation. Evolution con- con- contradicts creation only when is when it is explicitly or tacitly defined as fully naturalistic evolution, meaning evolution that is not directed by any purposeful intelligence. Similarly, creation contradicts evolution only when it means sudden creation rather than creation by progressive development. Um, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah those are two interesting concepts. That, yeah. th- that uh, and, and that's kind of where I was when I was kind of uh, looking at this um, topic is, you know, how, how it's, it's observable that, that we, we change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, we know that. That's right. Uh, that's ex- I, I experienced that, um, and then then the the concept that when we were talking uh, in, in our, our last conversation, and, and I and I I'll I'll give it some thought, but the whole idea with the Darwin idea is this is this stuff that's happening randomly, mm-hmm. and that that to me that's a key word because if I. If I believe it's random, I mean that's just hard for me. Well, well, gosh, is yeah. is that just it? I mean, are we just here random? Sure, and of course that's the it's a yeah, that's right. There's no guiding purpose behind any of right. That. So, and uh, if I uh, if once I put the guiding purpose mm-hmm. there, at least as I understood the the quote, mm-hmm. then I can I can go there. I can that makes sense to me. Yeah, D- does that make sense? Yes, but there's it does. there is something. Um, that was purposeful when it happens. It's not just okay. Yeah, and and let me use what you said as an opportunity to to just give a tiny bit of information. It's not specific to this question, but when you say it's random, if you were to say that to most of these pro evolution sort of the militant atheist crowd that I've talked to, um, they'll deny that it's random. They'll say there is organization and structure to this. But they will deny that it's guided by an intelligence. So it's important. I know it's, it seems like a trivial. <laughs> I'm sorry, distinction. I'm laughing, but I just you know that's. I agree with that, you. That, it's, that's hard it's strange. For me to get my head you, you hear that and you're like, okay, it's not random, but it's random. In other <laughs> words, it's it's mindless. There's no purpose behind it. There's no teleology behind it. There's no direction. There's no um, here's the direction that I want to go. Here's the the final design that I'm aiming toward. None of that is is at play. They'll tell you that. But if you use the word random, they'll say, well, no, it's not random. This process, we've, you know, they'll say we've seen from the evidence that it does all these things. Uh, you know so what? just to make sure, because people that want to go and say, well, it's random, I don't want you to be surprised if people come and say it's not random. They don't mean the same thing that we mean by random. Mm-hmm. Random to us means there's no mind behind it. Random to them means there's some sort of a structure. Like you can create a crystal just you know what we would say randomly, and yeah, it can it can be created, but there's not a mind deciding what that crystal is going to look like, you know that sort of thing. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the and, and that's a that's a game changer for me, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, you know, and I think about a lot of our um, social problems that we have today is one of those ingredients is purposelessness. Right. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, because what I hear in a lot of conversations, you know, and and even in some of the directions that society goes in, uh, in in my framework, in my worldview, a lot of the difficulties that things that we struggle with is because of the the concept of purposelessness. Yeah. And so see that kind of drags that in. If it just happens, and I can go, okay, it just happens. But if if there's not any purpose behind it, me as a human, then I'm just 
I, I, I don't have a purpose. No, that's true. Do, do you know what I mean? Those are the, oh, sure. the natural things that, oh, sure. that yeah. um, they'll tell you. That's that. where my my mind goes. Well, well, wow. So I, I'm just here. And you mean objective purpose? It's like I can decide for myself. My purpose is to collect as many paperback books as I can, or whatever. That's what I assign for the purpose in my life. But objectively, no, there's no real. You know, I arrived by you know blind, indifferent forces and. At the end of the you know the lifespan of this world, you know everything's going to die in the heat death of the universe, and there's you know, nothing's going to ultimately. Yeah, there's matter. no intrinsic That's value. purposelessness. Yeah, 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 I agree with so you. So I, that. you know, I, I um, but anyway, I, yeah. I don't want no, to, right. I don't want to derail us. I'll, no, I'll try to stay in my lane. It's okay. That's all right <laughs> because those are the questions that keep coming up. That's what you know, Jean Paul Sartre fought, you know, struggled with. That's what Albert Camus struggled with. All these existentialist authors. It's like, what is the point? You know, and. Yeah, of course. It's an important thing, and it needs to come up. Atheists need to grapple with that. They don't need to live in denial of the fact that, yes, those are real problems for atheism. Yeah, and, you know, that to me, that none of that is good news. No, of course it's not. You know, yeah. I'm, I am glad that we have the good news. Of course, I am, too. Uh, but, yeah, geez, I am. Yeah, uh, I am, too. Anyway. So I think, I think it's, just to summarize that quote, the, the right, you know, the, and this is the position that I would have is if evolution were proven completely true end to end, um, it would just show me the mechanism by which God created all things. That's that's all it would show. They want to say evolution renders God non-existent or at least not necessary. And um, it's a bit like saying just because the, 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 you know, war and peace is so well written, you don't need an author anymore. And, you know, of course, you don't get war and peace without the author, you know. That sort of thing. So if anyone wants to sort of understand in a little bit more depth the idea uh, that Christians, Christians that defend evolution, they're out there, and I think they're, you know, I don't have any question about them being saved. It's okay that they believe. I don't think this is a salvation issue. Um, but the three, uh, there's more than this, but the three I would recommend, um, Francis Collins. Now, now these are these are authors, these are authors that are who Christians are, that defend the evolution. That believe in evolution and okay. defend evolution, yeah. Okay. Um, the first one is Francis Collins. He's actually the head of the Human Genome Project, and or he was. I'm not sure if that's still his role, but um, he wrote a book called The Language of God, and he's got a, a foundation he created called the BioLogos Foundation. Um and it's a, it's a very readable, very easily, you know, it's a very short book, um, you know, comparatively anyway. Um, the next one is uh, Dennis Alexander, and Dennis is spelled D-E-N-I-S. Um, and he wrote a book called Creation or Evolution, Do We Have to Choose? And so he believes in evolution. He's a committed Christian, uh, an evangelical Christian, you know, very, you know, all of, you know, he's very orthodox in his beliefs, but he believes in evolution. And it's a, that's a, I think that's a, a really good book to read. Probably if I had to pick one of these, I'd say pick that one to read. That'd be my primary recommendation. And that one was? Uh, it's called Creation or Evolution, Do We Have to Choose? Ah, okay. And um, Dennis Alexander's the author. And then the third one um, is a guy named Kenneth Miller who wrote Finding Darwin's God. And he's trying to sort of reconcile Christianity and the Bible with evolution, but he believes in both. But, um, you know, if I had to pick, if I had to recommend, I'd say read Alexander's book first, then Collins, and then, you know, if you're still interested, you know, read Miller. And there are other authors that do this. It's not just the three of them, but that's just a sample. Um, they all probably, in their books, they probably recommend other people to, to mm -hmm. read as well. So, um, so the question, I think you hit on it a little bit, is this idea of can you know can i 
as a Christian, accept evolution? Well, I can if it's guided by an intelligence. But mm-hmm. that intelligence, if evolution's true, that intelligence, you know, God took millions of years, according to the evolutionary theory, to reach the present levels of complexity. And he's still at work sort of, you know, theoretically, I guess. Um, and the so what you find, or what I've seen, is whenever people bring these ideas of evolution up, they have an assumption that the atheists, the skeptics, they have an assumption that we as Christians are all young earth creationists and that we all believe the earth is about eight to 10,000 years old. Oh, yeah, because and, you'd have to get that from the biblical text yeah. if you put the numbers together. That's right. Okay. They, they basically do all of the, the genealogies and all this, and they say the earth is you know 10,000 years old roughly, and the creation was six literal 24-hour days. And there are loads of Christians that believe that, and it's entirely fine that they believe that. I think it's... It's supportable from the Bible if if that's your view. I don't personally. It's I don't believe the Bible requires it, and I don't hold that view. I'm I tend to believe that the Earth is you know about five billion years old, and the Earth the universe is about fourteen fourteen billion years old. I think that's more supportable, and I think it's completely compatible with the Bible. But there are Christians who will say. No, no, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to hold to this young earth creation yeah, view. Literal, yeah. um, probably the most prominent name that you'll hear is a guy named Ken Ham. Um, he, he, if you're familiar, up in, I think it's Kentucky, Tennessee, Kentucky area. He, the, he, he and his organization, I think it's called Answers in Genesis. Um, I think that's the name of it. They have built something called the Noah's Ark Encounter, and they've built – uh, a a two scale Noah's Ark that you can go. It's like an, an amusement park where you can oh, okay. go. Okay, is this the one that they advertise? Well, yeah, you uh, can roam around inside uh, of it, and okay. you know they have animatronics mm-hmm. and stuff going, and you're supposed to be able to see it. I'd like to go see that. I think it'd be a cool thing to see. But his view is, if you're not a young Earth creationist, then somehow you're a heretic. I don't think that's true. But when the skeptics raise this, most of the time they assume that. If you're a Christian, you're a young earth creationist. And yeah. it, it can it can actually be a, a good moment when you say, look, that's not my view, if that's not your view. If it is, fine. Um, it's not the view I would I personally defend. But if I come back and say, I don't believe the earth is only 10,000 years old, It um, a lot of sort of the mocking and questions they come up with, I say, well, this culture is older. We have actual records older than 10,000 years. How can that, you know? Um, you can immediately silence all of that by just saying, "Well, I don't think the Earth is ten thousand years old. Yeah. I think it's several billion years old." Yeah. yeah. Well, one just I, I don't want to get a sidetrack, but yeah. I'm 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 a, a teaching a class, and um, last Sunday we were talking about this. I said one of the things that if I'm if I'm going to have a spiritually forming conversation with yeah. someone that that I don't know what their position is, and a lot of times I will say. Um, read the first three chapters of Genesis, yeah. um, but don't read it scientifically. Oh yeah, right. And then I'll I'll ask. Um, so what what do you what do you hear when I say don't read it scientifically? And and some people are kind of confused because they don't know yeah. that they were reading it scientifically. And right. so I said, um, let's put aside the twenty four hour day. Mm-hmm. Let's think about what the audience would want to be hearing and what information would they need that this book has. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, and it does. My understanding is that when Genesis was written, that you had a uh, Israel um, sitting in the desert. Yeah, right. So, so what – I don't know that they would be – it would be of benefit 
to them to to go okay here's the science behind this uh, yeah here here's this I, but i it does make sense to me that genesis would be of comfort when it takes goes from moves from chaos to order mm-hmm. does that make sense it does make sense so it's just a, a, a different uh angle now I, i'm not suggesting that um I had a professor that you know would would make the argument that the science does not prove the Bible. Right. No, I agree. And and so I mean I'm okay with that. But it a lot of disprove the Bible either. Correct. Um, but a lot of people in conversations they'll start with that premise that oh you believe that yep. you know the the Bible uh, and and science are congruent or not. You know they'll start with yeah. one of those. Yeah. Um, and when you start with that premise. Yeah. And don't know that you're starting there. Yeah, you can really get off track. You can get off track. Yeah. I've got a quote. I've given it in one of the previous conversations. I'll try. I'll pull it out, and you know, not today, but for maybe the next time, I'll pull it out and read through it because the explanation that this guy gives, his name is Charles Foster. His book is called The Selfless Gene, to sort of respond to the selfish gene that Richard Dawkins wrote. Um, he he goes through an explanation of what he thinks go, is going on in the creation text in Genesis one and two, and it's definitely not a scientific text. It's it's more of a polemic, saying our God's the creator, yours isn't. Talking about all these mm-hmm. false gods in the area where the Israelites mm-hmm. would have been at that time. Yeah. So let me just in the last couple of minutes, I do want to reference one book um, because I think as Christians we shouldn't allow this idea of young or old Earth to trip us up. Mm-hmm. If we're a young Earth creationist, and I'm not. Um, Yes, you have you have to enter into a portion of the conversation that I don't I don't ever have to enter into and that is defending the fact that the earth is really only 10,000 years old and the skeptics will challenge you on that because the science makes it appear that it's much older and I'm not equipped to address that because that's not a view that I hold. So I would recommend if you're a young earth creationist go look at the Answers in Genesis website, Ken Ham's books, he's written several of them, and there are people out there that, that talk about that, but it's not my view. So I, you know, I don't want to go in mm-hmm. and say this is how to defend against that because I don't, I don't really know. I've not really studied that part, um, but I do want to spend a couple. So John Lennox wrote a book. It's called Seven Days That Divide the World, which I really think that's an excellent book to read, and it's just about the seven days of creation. There is so much division over that seven days of creation. It's crazy. And he goes to a very short little book. It's a really good book to say, look, let's see if we can't all find a meeting of the minds on this. Um, and we'll, we'll have to go just slightly over, but this, is, this topic will not fit in another one. So I want to get through this really quick. The young earth creationists will say, look, but 724-hour, 624-hour days, the Bible says the first day, the second day, the third day, isn't the... Scripture itself, doesn't it demand that we believe in seven 24-hour days or six 24-hour days of, of creation? And there is an article, um, or it's a it's a paper. The name, It's written by a guy named Rodney Whitfield, um, and the title is The Hebrew Word Yom Used with a Number in Genesis 1. Uh, what does Yom mean in Genesis 1? Now, the word Yom, yom Y-O-M, day, yeah. that just means day in, in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And so... What you can find is if you look through Scripture, that word is applied in lots of contexts. It's not always, sometimes it is a 24-hour period. Sometimes it's um, much vaster periods of time. Sometimes it's not with reference to any specific time period. And I'll just re- I'm going to read a couple of quick quotes uh, or Bible verses on this just as an example. In Genesis 2, 
These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day, Yom, that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Here, day is one period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's he didn't create the heavens and the earth. Nobody thinks that he did that in one 24-hour period. So day doesn't mean a 24-hour period in this verse. In Isaiah 22, for the Lord God of hosts has a day, Yom, of tumult and trampling and confusion in the valley of vision, a battering down of walls and a shouting to the mountains. It's just a it's just a period in which these things are going to occur. It's not, hey, for 24 hours, this is going to happen. Gonna be, there's going to be a crisis for right. 24 hours. <laughs> but this is Yom. This is all that this means. And then in Hebrews 3, it's in the Greek at this point, but, you know, they, mm-hmm. it, you know, still has the same idea. Therefore, uh, Hebrews 3, starting with verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Well, the day wilderness testing was 40 years long, and he calls it a day here. So the Norman Geisler has a, had a book called The Baker Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics on page 271. See, this is not one of the mm-hmm. first, first pages okay. in the book. Um, he says this. He says, numbered days need not be solar. Neither is there a rule of Hebrew language demanding that all numbered days in a series refer to 24-hour days. Even if there were no exceptions in the Old Testament, it would not mean that day in Genesis 1 could not refer to more than one 24-hour period. But there is another example in the Old Testament, Hosea 6, verses 1 and 2. Clearly, the prophet is not speaking of solar days, but of longer periods in the future, yet the numbers, yet he numbers the days in series. So what does Hosea 6 tell us? I'll just, you know, I'll just give this real quick. Um, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Again, it's not talking about 24-hour periods. It's talking about a period of healing and a period of reconciliation. And it's being used, the word day. You know, the Hebrew language had far fewer words than than the English language. And so day was used in a lot of contexts. And I say all of that, and if you want to see it in more depth, read uh, Dr. Whitfield's paper on uh, on Yom in Genesis 1. I say all of that to say there's no requirement anywhere in Scripture that day uh, means 24 specific hours in, in uh, Genesis 1 or Genesis 2. And I think you can approach this as a young earth or an old earth creationist. I think you avoid a lot of the, the problems and a need to sort of um, argue through that portion of it if you don't approach this as a young earth creationist. But So I wanted to just get that on the table briefly because some people are going to be listening to this that are young earth creationists mm-hmm. and are going to say, yeah, the earth is 10,000 years old, and that proves that evolution is false. I don't really think that's a good argument against evolution. Yeah. I just, you know, I mean, if you can if you can prove it and that's your view, I'm totally supportive. And God certainly could have done all of this in, you know, however long he chose. I'm not saying that the earth is older for sure. I'm saying that the evidence seemed to indicate that. And that's that's the direction that I've gone. But I don't I don't argue that point with people. I don't divide fellowship over it. And I would encourage nobody, no, no Christian to do that. It's just it's it's something I believe both interpretations are acceptable to yeah. God. I'm guessing that when we get to the topic of the Bible, some of this literalist and how we translate, I mean, how we interpret will come up as well. Yeah, we can certainly discuss that. Absolutely. Super. Okay. Okay. Look forward to it. We'll, um, We'll see you next time. Next time. 
You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit, Christ centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled, caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972 243 4673. That's 972 243 4673. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.